from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report. Counting down the top 10 things of the week that make us go wow. Wow. I am Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder. So excited to be reunited with Tom Campbell, our Chief Creative Officer. And it's only been a few weeks, but it feels like so long. I'm glad it, to be back home. It does. It it. It feels like an age, Tom. It really does. It really is not the same without you. I love it when we're all three, to, when we're oh. all four together. It just and we're together for the holidays. This just, I'm I'm so happy. Four old hussies just <laughs> kvetching about everything, and of course, then we also have that. You just heard his voice. Uh, James St. James, who needs no introduction. How about that? I uh, <laughs> love it. And of course, Blake Jacobs chiming in. So let's start with our countdown. And number 10. Number 10. Guys, I just have to bring attention to the obvious because sometimes things are happening around us and we don't put it all together. But this is the era, the age, even though Taylor Swift was just named woman of the year or person of the year, excuse me, human being of the year of Time Magazine, who's really dominating in the world right now are our legendary legends, living legends, great old broads. I was here with, speaking of which, I was my sister Amy was visiting. And because she was here, I had she to great old broad. She's a wonderful old broad. But she um, always wants me to go and do things like walk. So I have to leave my bedroom. Anyway, we're walking up and down Sunset Boulevard, where I live very close to. And you know what billboards dominate? Cher, DJ, play a Christmas song, and Dolly, rock star. And, and, and which we should, I don't know if you've heard their albums. Have you heard either of their albums? No. Oh. I've heard snippets of Dolly. I have yet to hear any of Cher's Christmas. I did just see that Cher's uh, Christmas song made it, made it to where she's had a number one in seven decades. Yeah, now. she's the, the only, only female artist to now have a number one on some chart in Billboard for seven decades. And I have to say, her song, her single, DJ, play a Christmas song. I want to be dancing all night long. Well, it's cold outside, but it's warm in here. You're the only one I want this year. Um, that starts with Vodacoder is the best. I'm, I am stuck with it. Um, I have Alexa play it for me constantly. And one of the very talented writers on it is our own Leland, our own Brett McLaughlin, who's written so many hits for for Troye Sivan and for RuPaul's Drag Race. So, I mean, it's in the family. You got For that reason alone, you have to get on board. Your theory, though, is so true. There's no IP like old IP. That's what it is. Yeah, if you can still pull off your brand. The other thing is, you know, Streisand's book is out. We talked about that. And it's like, there's nothing new I'm discovering about Barbara or Dolly or Cher, but they can still pull it off and still tell the stories. They've lived 20, another generation longer. You know what you're getting? And on top of Dolly having, uh, you know, her rock album out, she also has has just entered the literary sphere where she has the rhinestone book of all of her outfits that's number 10 on the charts. I love that. You have you don't have it, Tom Bianca. I, not, not yet, but Christmas is coming up, James. Yes, I know. We we all need a yes. That that could be our wow present. <laughs> also, a Dolly Parton uh, documentary coming with full access to her. I just was reading about it on uh, Channel Five in the UK and Paramount Plus. 
a Dolly Parton doc. I had the privilege in a very small way of working with her. And you know, when I was at Gallon Mori, I was, I was an assistant and I got to go to see tapings and I tried to get a song on her album rainbow, which was her lowest rated album ever, but I was not successful, but she was very nice to me and called me by my name in front of my boyfriend once. And that's really all I need from Dolly Parton. But the, her album is 30 tracks long. And she just, I mean, just the sheer energy and she's does sort of duets and trip like with Pat Benatar and, and, and the, the Ringo and Paul McCartney and, and Richard Mark. I mean, it's like anybody you can think of, she is done a duet with some of them are a little cringy because you know, but, but it's, it's, I, I found my favorite is, is her thruple. Uh, if it's not a duet, it's a thruple, right. With uh pink and 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 brandy carlisle and i can't get no satisfaction that one rocks um but it's on top of that and i'll i'll let you guys but on top and Cher is everywhere Cher was at the macy days parade she um you know dolly and the and the the, the cowboy thing and she's cowboy she is a drag queen she's always said i'm glad i was a girl because i would end up being a drag queen because she had all that that faux skin and glitter but also on sunset boulevard maggie smith who's going to be in her 90s there's some bag, Revere bag or something. Uh, low, she, low, 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 yeah. uh, bag. And on the same Sunset Strip is uh, Ladies of the '80s, a Diva Christmas, and it's, it's Lonnie Anderson, Morgan oh, Fairchild, yeah. uh, uh, Lynn Gray, and uh, yeah, yes. and, and Alec Mappa, and Alec Mappa, <laughs> all the old broads. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and last but not least. Brenda Lee, you guys know Brenda Lee, the rockabilly sure. lady. She has the on the legitimate Billboard Top 100 in the first time in 60 years since she released the song "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree" is number one on the charts. Well, She's hold on a second, records. Tom. I have a trivia question here because someone that you just spoke about was backup singer when she was 13 years old on Brenda Lee's Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Who was it? It never admitted this until just just recently on the Jimmy uh, Fallon show. Alec Mappa. <laughs> so close. I want to say Cher. It was Cher. Cher was 13 years old, and she was she, her first gig was backup singer for Brenda Lee on Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Anyway, I, I love the past, as you know. I'm stuck in Turner Classic Movies. I love the riches, and I love these women – who are true, and it's it's mostly women. I don't know why, or it seems that are just redefining. Cher has just done this tour of Europe. She was like, you literally could every day. She was on, she was on a German show. She was on Graham Norton. She's on jets. She's in the airport, and she looks great. She looks rested, and I'm just so excited for this period. That is amazing. That tour is amazing because I was tired just looking at the schedule. You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. So God bless the. Uh, the great ladies, the great ladies who are in, entering their fourth sure. act and doing it with with the style and and clout. All right, James, number nine. Number nine. May December. I had to watch it twice on Netflix. The first time, I I went into it thinking it was going to be something completely different. You know, it's the Mary Kay Letourneau thing. I was expecting fireworks. I was expecting big, huge scenes. I was expecting drama, drama, drama. It's Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes, Carol, Far From Heaven, uh, Mildred Pierce, Velvet Goldmine. I was expecting lush, big, big, big moments. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It is subtle. It is very, very one note kind of it's bizarre every single one of them has weird boundary issues every single one of them 
pulls off a master class in sort of subtle weirdness. All of them, Julianne Moore, um, uh, who's Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman. And everyone is saying everyone, everyone, everyone on social media, the critics, everyone is saying Charles Melton is a revelation that he is going to walk away with every single award this season. He is going to steal the Oscar from Robert Downey Jr. That, and so I'm expecting these huge Oscar scenes where somebody they're melting down and people are screaming and shouting and it doesn't happen. So I had to go back and watch it again. And the second time it was, it affected me a little bit more. The first time I was like, what the fuck is this? I had no, like I, I was, so the second time I knew what was going to happen. So I, I was more keenly attuned to the subtleties that were going on. The one thing that is absolutely camp as Christmas, as Fenton likes to say, is the musical score in which oh. I don't know if you guys know this, but it is note for note picked up from a 1971 movie called The Go-Betweens. That is a, a um, it's a Michael uh, Legrand score. Yes, it's about forbidden love with Julie Christie. Is, it's, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, and so there, there are moments where she opens up the refrigerator door and she says, "We we don't aren't going to have enough hot dogs," and it goes, "Bum bum 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 bum." On that particular and, note, I saw this in the theater with my sister, and when that music came on, just at that point, it was so loud. It's the first time in my entire life I was tempted to go to the booth and say, "I think something's terribly wrong with your sound." Because it is so loud. It's, it's it is so loud, but it is incredible because that's the over the top element for the rest of the movie is not over the top, but the music is so camp and over the top that that's what, what it, it balances out. It's a weird teeter totter, I think. What did Thanks, you guys did you see it? Movie? I saw it. It went entirely over my head. I was bored to tears. Nothing would induce me to watch it again. And I, I was just profoundly disappointed. And like, I was like, this is a big nothing burger. I yeah. ate the same nothing burger. And I worry that the algorithm was designed for people like us just to say they like it. Because I talked to so many of the gays and they're like, oh, I, I saw it. I loved it. I saw it. I loved it. I'm like, I just watched, you know, Midnight Lace with Doris Day the other night. I did, I did too. I did too. I did too. Yes. Now that is a movie and that is drama. And, you know, you, I cannot separate any point in my life, but I admit it now. Camp and real drama to me are the same thing. They have to affect me. And this movie was like my favorite part. I'm sorry. Is, you know, is she's trying to learn from the, uh, you know, Natalie Portman is the actress trying to spending time with the real subject of this movie. And, and did you know that, and I'm not spoiling anything, but did you know that what's her face? The other lead, uh, lead woman, Julianne Moore, Julianne Moore had a lisp in the movie well, until the well, end okay, of the movie. But, but there, there is a reason for this. And okay. the, the thing is, is that the lisp comes and goes. If you pay it to, I noticed on the second time and the more passive aggressive she's being, the more the lisp comes out. And whenever she's good, whenever she regresses into babyhood, the yes. lisp starts getting like this. Whenever she's trying to manipulate him, the lisp comes out. But other than that, she does not speak with the lisp. Because when I first heard her speak i thought she was from boston because she sounded like her character from uh from 30 rock i thought she was from <laughs> i love her character was, from 30 rock it was a little bit of this anyway i love everyone involved uh, some people love it i just i i hated it well that that's just because i think like all of us we went into it expecting one thing a movie. And it didn't, 
it didn't deliver that. But if you, but when I went back, like I said, the second time, I was able, knowing that there wasn't going to be any of these big scenes, I was able just to appreciate it for its own but merit. What and, actress goes to study a subject and has their notebook out and takes notes? It just felt fakey wakey. And then, and then Natalie Portman having that orgasm in the storage closet at the pet store—that was like. It all felt like it. I just wanted to be campy, over the top, or really dramatic. And I do say the the gentleman in the movie, what's his name? Charles, Charles Melton. Mm. He's sexy. He's very sexy. He was Reggie on Riverdale. I didn't know that. And and yeah. and, and so he, he has now only... every single CW person in from now on thinks they are going to get an Oscar when they do yes. a CW show. And and the women are both kind of guilty in different weird ways and 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 hard to sort of get behind or or understand. But he is somebody who actually has a moment where something changes, where yeah. he becomes something else, and that. Yeah. You know, where had the, had the chrysalis becomes the butterfly. I don't know if I you caught that. that. I don't know if you now. caught Thank that you. subtle, that very subtle uh, <laughs> caterpillar to butterfly metaphor. It's a weird one. I, no. I, I don't think it's going to do very well at the Oscars. What do I know? Well, it's May, December, uh, streaming on Netflix. Wait, 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 no, wait hold on, but, but he already has won the Gotham Awards. He's won the, um, uh, he's been nominated for the Independent Spirit. He's just was one Critics' Choice. So he's he's on his path. All right. All right. Number eight. Number eight. Fashion show follies. I, I, I love fashion shows. I'm not really a fashion person, but I just love the shows. And I always love the idea of like, Here's a concept. I'm going to lay it out for you. I'm going to stun you and make you just make you go, ooh. To me, that's like a fashion show. I love it. So I have just, Pharrell's Louis Vuitton, I have just, I didn't like the first show. I thought it was just a mess. And the second show, I, I also think is a mess. And I was reading this article because I'm trying to understand and thinking, like, what aren't I getting? Because everybody seems to love it. And is this the one held outside? No, yeah. no, that's been well, the first stock. one was held in Paris on the Pont Neuf, and then the most recent one, uh, the, just the other week, was held in Hong Kong on a sort of um, pier um, by the beach, and they covered it with sand. And um, the 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 writer Heisenabiadi, Jake Silbert, wrote um, that his vision doesn't comprise a singular look, but a singular attitude, one of where anything, wherever whenever mm. and i mean to me that's just the point it's like what is the point of being a luxury brand if everybody looks like tourists just in the street i was just like what's the line again everything everywhere what one the vision which i would say is not a vision right one of wearing anything wherever whenever i, I mean, would say also i would call that with h&m we are H and M. Sorry, I, I, I think the deeper problem here is that every single one of these designers, and I'm put Demna in there very, very much from Balenciaga, no. is that they've all been puffed up to believe that every single thought out of their head, every single thing that they say is a pithy pearl of wisdom and needs to be studied for future generations because they're so meta and they're so, they, they just, it's, it, but they aren't. 
and I want fashion people just to get back into the the business of fashion. Just show us clothes. Stop having to make a a, a statement about every single outfit that comes down the runway. It's it's maddening to me. And it also brings me to Fenton. What were you going to say about Balenciaga? Because that, to me, was the most well, egregious I about that I've seen in years. No, I felt that, that the one held outside. Yeah, that, that was, was the one, one in our neighborhood in Fenton. When I could not get home after my sister was in the hospital for her broken hip, I couldn't yeah. get to her, and then I couldn't get home because of it. Right. I'm I'm so sorry for you that you were inconvenienced by that. But- no, 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 it's not the inconvenience. No. It's the fact that what you can see on their PowerPoint presentation when they're showing this to, to the, the higher ups is that we're going old Hollywood meets the newcomers. And it's going to be it's going to be, you know, palm trees meets fashion and da, 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 da. But the whole point of Hancock Park is that this is old Hollywood. It is you know, people who are not fat. It's the people who probably bought Balenciaga back in the 50s, but don't buy it now, you know. But it, it also, it's sort of like going to your grandmother's house and stepping on the Rose Garden. Because because this is not the, the, the place to do that. It's a but, quiet neighborhood. And they came in, Lisa Rinna, who I love more than life itself, it, and, the, and Chris Jenner, and all these people who are not Hancock Park. They are Calabasas. They are not. <laughs> Hancock Park is something completely different. But, but James, I, okay, I totally get that. Like, uh, but also, I just think this idea of doing the fashion show on the street, you know, Gucci did it on Hollywood Boulevard in November 2021. Boulevard. If you recall, they pulled that Giuliani mess where they Hoover backed all the homeless people off it, of Hollywood Boulevard. It's like come up with a new idea. Like it, it's it just but, felt but like it, a bunch it's nasty. of it's rude. A bunch of people just walking down the street and and no vision. I, it's to me what upset me most is the lack of a vision and the Balenciaga show, especially they had those redonkulous oversized sneaker shoes, which just is annoying. And then they were all carrying Air One bags and Air One had made a Balenciaga juice that was made out of charcoal. And I'm like, it just felt so unthought out. Back to fashion. We don't need Air One charcoal. Anyone can walk down a street clutching a Starbucks in a pair of sneakers and skin. What are you saying? What what is the vision here? What is what why do they think they're being so deep when they're just clomping around in your grandmother's neighborhood making a scene? I don't think they're deep. I think people are desperate to come up with images that look different than other images. And aren't does anyone make money on those clothes or do they really make money on the wallets? And the keychains and, and, and the perfume flop. and the blah 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 because all of the clothes are given to Lisa Rinna and Chris Jenner and those people and you know whatever. I'm the, curious the if people are really jewelry. buying the the Louis Vuitton collection. I mean, I just I just don't see the no, no. feeling. It doesn't feel. It's because the people all who the clothes to buy like, Louis Vuitton aren't don't want this nouveau nouvelle. They all look like fast clothes. Like they, it's just yeah. like if it's like you go out to H and M and and then you could just call it Louis Vuitton. Well, if you're like the Gucci stuff that looked like your thrift stores from the 1970s, yes. just just go thrift shopping and right. don't spend twenty thousand dollars on a knit sweater that your grandmother knit. And I just think everybody's taking leave of their critical faculties, and that's why they just blowing hot air up 
Uh, but I think they're trying to reach a totally different audience than rich people. I think they're just trying to yeah. make viral moments to sell bags. And well, I think that's a good point, Tom, because luxury brands do need to ever, you know, I mean, just the overhead of a Louis Vuitton with so many stores and just they need new customers. So they do need to expand that vision of luxury, I guess. I do. I And we've talked about this before where I, I don't want reality hosts to be presidents anymore. I don't want I don't want rappers to be designers. I do, I want you to stay in your lane. What it is that you know. It, if you remember when um, Lindsay Lohan destroyed Ungaro because they thought let's have Lindsay Lohan, the hottest star in the world, come in and design the line, and literally Ungaro has never recovered from that 2010 moment. Well, I guess we'll see if uh, if Pharrell's got the is, is, you know because this article called him the Willy Wonka. And that he's kind of like the you know just making magic at the at the factory there. So I, I mean, I I like Pharrell as a person, I as a performer. Him. I think he's fabulous. I think he's handsome. I think he's talented. But I just don't like him as a designer. Very good. All right. Um, meet the queens of RuPaul's Drag Race season sixteen on our social media accounts now, and get ready for an all new season, Sweet Sixteen, the Revolution coming to MTV in January and, of course, uh, outside of the U.S. on Wild Business Plus. Blake, you got a question for us? Yeah, I sure do. How did Kramer from Seinfeld get his apartment? <laughs> I have no idea we'll have the answer right after the break on the Wow Report on Radio Andy. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and Tom and Blake and your best question of the year without doubt. Hmm. How did Kramer from Seinfeld get his apartment? He was sleeping with someone they died while he was there. Yeah. Somebody died. No, he actually subleased it from Paul on Mad About You. There's an episode of Mad About You where Paul and Jamie become obsessed about dying and want to make a living will. Jamie finds out that Paul is subletting his old bachelor apartment and insists and insists he settled the lease with the tenant, an odd ma- man named Kramer. So, that sounds like a, a crossover must-see TV stunt. That's that right. I did not realize they were in the same cinematic or they were in the same pop culture universe. That's interesting. Me either, and I guess that means friends is too, because I think Phoebe's twin sister was also on Mad About You. That's true. Uh, yeah. Huh. We are counting down the top ten things of the week that made us go, wow, we've reached number seven. Tom. Number seven. Two of my favorite performers of all time, who I got to know personally a little bit behind the scenes, have one is young and violent. Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet have a special on PBS. Steve and Edie, Memories of My Mom and Dad, which is a narrated by David Lawrence, who's one of their sons, who is a composer of film, a successful man in his own right, looks a lot like his dad. And he had a brother whose name I forget. But what they don't mention, this is a retrospective. Steve and Edie 
uh, were both singers from like the Bronx and 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 Brooklyn. And and Steve was on the original Steve Allen show. I'm telling you more than the special did, by the way. On the original Steve Allen show, and Steve was the boy singer, and Edie was hired a week uh, as the as the there was a girl hired, but she only knew five songs. And after the first week, she didn't have any new songs, so they hired Edie. Edie and Steve meet in the show. They do sketches in the show. They date in the show. They fall in love in the show. And then, like five years later, they get married in real life, and they have individual careers, but they are the only like married couple that lasted decade after decade after decade. And they were very old school when music was shifting toward rock, but Edie had a big, a top 10 hit with blame it on the bossa Nova. Steve had a hit with like go away little girl before Donny Osmond. But I became obsessed with them in the nineties. They were always in the Carabinet show growing up. My parents loved them. I always imagine because my father, the story is that my father proposed to my mother at her mother's house and they had to wait until my aunt Aga went to bed. And so it was late at night. So, and they used to watch the tonight show. So I imagine that Steve and Edie were performing as my father went on one day and proposed marriage to my mother. They're kind of my, my Borscht belt uh, parents. And when I told that exact story to Edie Gourmet backstage at Caesars after a show in the nineties, she looked at me and said, too much information. <laughs> and she walked away and sat down, but I won her over one vodka spritzer at a time and Edie Gourmet if you, like she got what an awesome uh, a Grammy in 88 for singing uh if you walked into my life which is this heartbreaking song from Mame did he need a stronger hand did he need a lighter touch you guys couldn't be more bored and um uh and and it's the song of what happens when I lose the boy and would he ever come back if I did things differently. And what they don't talk about on the special, it's very serious, but it's very sad is in the, their son, their other son um, passed away of a, of a unexpected heart condition in his like late teens, early twenties in the early eighties. And Edie had already made this song in 68. And it was, it was the song you went to see Edie Gourmet sing. She stole the show. She broke your heart. And years later, she would sing it again with the undertone of she had lost a son that she could never oh. get back. Did he need a stronger hand? Did he need a lighter touch? Um, a lot of the special shows great clips. There's one where they're both beautiful in their mid-60s and they sing Sunrise, Sunset, which had the same effect on me because it, I can't separate the story of the artists with uh, their music. And uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's something to check out. It's going to be playing all month on PBS, tape it and fast forward through the uh, collection, uh, you know, the, the, the desires to uh, donate. Hmm. But do donate to PBS by all means. <laughs> all right. Uh, James, number six. Number six. Uh, Tom, this is your usual beat and I, that I'm covering this week. Mm -hmm. um, it's the Kennedy Center Honors uh, were announced and uh, they, they, they were filmed. Um, the people who were nominated this year or who were honored, Dionne Warwick, Billy Crystal, BG, Barry Gibb, uh, Queen Latifah, and opera star Renee Fleming. Now, I just want to say God bless uh, Queen Latifah. Nothing to take away from her personally yes. she's a, she's an icon she's a legend yes. we are at a point where 40 50 years on we are starting to recognize and honor hip early hip-hop stars yes. early rap stars and this is a perfect place to do it however she is still relatively young 
right? She's got decades ahead of her still to be going around collecting these type of awards. And when I say this, I'm not taking away from Queen Latifah, but why on earth have they never recognized Liza yet? Liza has not gotten at her Kennedy Center. She performs at them. I don't know what she did. I don't know. What I love your twisted logic. Her. Just to talk about Liza, you go all way out here just to go. And what about Liza? No, well, no, no, no. Hold on, because I have a list of other people who deserve it before okay. Queen Latifah. And once again, not taking away from Queen Latifah, okay. but Bernadette Peter, Patti LaBelle, Madonna, Sophia Loren, Bonnie Reyes, Glenn Close, Bob Newhart, Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Roberta Flack, Whoopi Goldberg, Johnny Mathis, Herb Alpert has not gotten a, a Kennedy Center honor, Anne Margaret, Tommy Toon, Patti LaPone, Jeff Bridges, David Mamet, Spike Lee, Jodie Foster, Ron Howard, Tony Kushner, and Nathan Lane. All these people deserve it before. Bless your heart, Queen Latifah. Two things. One yeah. is awards are 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 just weird popularity contests, and they never really represent what's really going on. They try. But don't but you they, believe they, they, in your heart of hearts that Bernadette Peters and Liza Minnelli should have gotten should get theirs before? I can't imagine else Liza wasn't approached. I don't know. Like, and by the way, Roberta Flack, God rest her soul, has left us, so she's right, right, okay. There. But the other and the other thing, the other reason that Queen Latifah might be getting a little bit of a, a jump start again recognizing what's been ignored in the past but also she has a series on cbs which uh airs the uh <laughs> oh ding 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 yeah it's called the equalizer please watch um so but that I might be part- patty lapone you know tommy tune all these people are not going to be around much longer and we need to we they should be getting their their flowers and their laurels how do you get a kennedy center honor anyway do you, you is it is it voted on do you there get is a, there is a board at the kennedy center you know uh, performance of the arts thing and i don't know exactly what they do but there is a board and they do make the nominations but how much pressure they get from the network I don't know, mm-hmm. especially in this day and age. Are they going for demographics? It seems to me that there used to be also more classical performers. They have one now in this one, but they're all yeah. pop culture figures. Um, so I'm sure part of them is trying to keep it alive as an entity. I, I don't know. Again, I, 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 I don't know what we should throw our own award show or, or make the them. Wowies. Do the Wowies. When are we doing the Wowies? Uh, we, I think we do them around the um, around DragCon, which isn't going to be LA, which is going to be until the summer. All oh, right, but maybe we should do all old broads and old people, just because yes. you know that seems to be the right. thing. That's Bunny. it. Lady Bunny gets her gets her Wowie. <laughs> if you didn't get a Kennedy Center honor, you're gonna get a Wowie. I mean, you know, like Madonna. and we did on um, Drag Race All Stars All Winners. We had the Kennedy Davenport Center honors, yes, which sir. I think we could just <laughs> we could we could, re- we could take up again. Uh, James, when does the uh, ceremony air? It's like it's like in the New Year, isn't it? It's always between yeah, Christmas and New Year's. I look yeah. forward to it every year, oh, and I will yeah, talk they, about they, it again they once we get there. They've taped it already, but it it will probably it air. always just and and Dion Warwick is an amazing artist who. Yeah. We did, saw. Did you see the, the Dionne Warwick that wore this fabulous ball gown, and then she wore her slippers, her like yes. bedroom slippers. I came here room. to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That matched her ball gown, by the way. Yeah, they were I had the same pair of gray slippers. Yeah, I thought they matched. All right, number five. Number five. AI madness. I was gonna go on this rant 
about movies and what is wrong with movies. Why are movies so bad? And I was actually going to start off by complaining about May to December, but we already did that. So that takes care of the relationship side of movies. And then you have the sort of action movie, right? Which is my favorite. You know, the MCU is tanking totally, James. You'll be glad to hear. But also I think action movies in general. And I ended up watching... um, Mission Impossible, which I think should be called Mission Impossible to Understand, because I have no idea what is going on. And this is why it's AI madness, because you've reached a a threshold where once AI is in the house, everything's a lie, everything's unreal, everything's a quantum possibility of something else. So suddenly there are no stakes, and you don't really even have to pay any attention because none of it's real anyway, and it's all meta and jumbled up and a complete utter mess. Is it because three generations of men have been raised on violent video games? It's absolutely men are the problem here. But <laughs> I saw I saw a movie that kind of intrigued me. Oh. It's called The Creator, and it is an AI story movie. And on the face of it, the movie is a complete mess because it's got everything and the kitchen sink. And tellingly, it's one of those movies that's been financed by about six studios from different countries. So the whole result is a sort of committee piece. The most bizarre casting, Alison Janney plays a badass American sergeant major military person who is just, right? And she is representing the US. The US has banned AI and because AI went crazy and blew up LA in an atomic bomb. So the uh, uh, America is now at war with all of Asia because Asia refuses to give up AI. And in Asia, the replicants are moving, are living amongst them. Is so, this um, the one with the little girl with the half, yeah. with the half yeah. head thing okay. that people were going bananas for this, this movie? This is insane story. So, So America, in fighting this war against AI, this righteous war, because all American wars are righteous, don't forget, uh, they have built an ultimate killing machine, which is called, oh, I don't know, um, it's some sort of battleship that floats in the sky. Um, It's By the way, I will say the special effects in this are absolute magic. It is gorgeous to look at. And so this battleship is floating above, but the Evil AI people, the evil AI Asians, have devised the ultimate weapon that will take down this spaceship. And I mean, I'm thinking, well, this spaceship seems pretty evil. It's like this sort of big brother thing that just floats around the world dropping bombs on people. And so the mission is, Alison Jenny's mission is to kill the ultimate weapon, the ultimate AI weapon that has been developed that will win the AI war for the evil AI people. And of course, twist, I mean, spoiler alert, that it's a it's a child. It's an AI child yeah. is the ultimate weapon, which is a bit like the Buddha or the sort of um who's the person in um Tibet? Um Dalai Lama, yes. So sort of beautiful, lovely child who's an AI person. I haven't even got through it yet. I mean, it's about halfway through, but the special, I, all I can say is the special effects are absolutely they, they, Everyone kept saying you need to see it in the movie theater because you will be absolutely blown away by the beauty yes. of these special I mean, effects. You will be, even though I think the special effects rule it to such an extent that they actually make no sense of the whole thing because this gorgeous sort of 
flying swastika of an American spaceship floats above and it sends down these lights. And so surely the enemy, the AI enemy can see these. I mean, it's like, if you're trying to attack people, you don't turn on all the lights. You're like, <laughs> it just makes no sense. But at one point, this tank that is basically the size of a small city block arrives and it's just firing off bombs and Allison. Oh, hilarious bit is where they actually have these AI bombs. They're little robots that run around and then they blow themselves up. I mean, so it, the, the whole... <laughs> It, the whole thing is completely bonkers. Um, Where can we watch this? Where I need to, I need to watch it tonight. You, you can, can rent, rent it. it. Rent yes. It? Who, who has something? <laughs> rent it on what? Like, like your a, a VCR machine? Like well, a, on, your, on your toaster? <laughs> on your toaster, you can rent it. It's everywhere. It's available everywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a break. Um, Where presents Plus Season Two of Tongue Tied with Pangina Heels. His new episodes on Mondays. And Big Freedom Means Business, new episodes on Thursdays. Sign up at wowpresentsplus.com. Blake, got a question? I do. Why does Bob Ross perm his hair? <laughs> what is happening with these questions? <laughs> I think AI Blake has been replaced by an AI <laughs> who is just generating random <laughs> nuttiness. <laughs> well, the answer right after the break here on the Wire Report. To World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Benson here with James and Tom, Blake, uh, or what used to be Blake, now a replicant Blake, an AI Blake. Yeah, and I asked, why does Bob Ross perm his hair? Because he you wants look like curly. a happy little tree. Because <laughs> he wants a curly. <laughs> he did it as a way of penny pinching he said he would save money on getting haircuts if his locks were permed i love watch a a documentary about him are you reading a book about him how did you come across this fact i just pull it out of my (laughs) ass yeah or if that's what you want to call it out of your chat gpt exactly (laughs) like you should think about perming your beard okay let's move on (laughs) I'm straightening it. (laughs) Counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go, wow, we've reached number four. Number four. A big story for me that uh, I think affects all of us and it makes, it fills me with the feels is the passing of Norman Lear at 101. Talk about somebody who lived five lifetimes, right? And, and was working, was on a Skype call (laughs) like a week before, because they are bringing Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman back. And yeah. he was on a, a call, uh, the redeveloping of her TBS. Um, you know, we all have our memories. I, I The one that I'll pull out, two things is that, you know, I was just talking to my sister about this before she left, before normally Lear passed away. But we we actually sat at Chin Chin and Sally Struthers. Oh, <laughs> I love so, Sally. And is I, so fabulous now, more so than the 70s. Yes. And, you know, and I always feel like I have to deliver celebrity sightings. And my sister always walks by them like, Sally Struthers. And she's like, oh, like, so I feel good. But we started talking about All in the Family and how it, what it meant to our family in 1971 when I was eight years old. Because our parents were thrifty. They weren't, you know, they, they didn't go out all the time. We didn't eat out. My parents would go out to dinner once a week, Saturday night. And they would have their friends, the Fitzpatricks, come over. And they would get, basically get drunk 
get in the car and then drive to the restaurant. But that's the seventies. They weren't doing anything wrong. Did but you have they a perm? They wouldn't leave. No, no perms in my family. They wouldn't leave until eight thirty because All in the Family was on from eight to eight thirty, and you couldn't not watch All in the Family. It defined the conversations for that week. It challenged, you know, the first sitcoms you could do all the reading, but it challenged all of our social norms and made us talk about things we really were talking about. And I remember All in the Family being kind of a a reader for our family. Like I remember my mother, like serving us food and based on an all in the family conversation going, well, Hal, what would you think if Amy brought home a black boyfriend? And my sister's like 12. And uh, he's like, well, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. You know, like, but it, it made conversations happen around our dinner table that wouldn't have happened. Respectful ones, but just, you know, uh, and, and it was just such a loving, warm cast. And I don't know why I go to these places because I remember my feelings. But there was an episode, I don't know, like seventh season, where it's Edith's 50th birthday. And the actor, David Duke, comes to the door and says he's a police officer looking for um, a possible rapist. And he gets Edith alone, and he is the rapist. (gasps) And he has her locked in the kitchen. And she finally escapes, spoiler alert, 50 years later. She her cake was burning and she had a moment and she threw it at the guy and ran away. But it was the it was the most it just realized it helped me you realize how deeply you loved and felt for these characters. They were like plays, Broadway plays that were broadcast every year. Plus, you know, I I was gonna say because Jefferson's and Good Times and Maud and Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman and uh different one day at a time. Yeah, one day at a time. And um, I think about this, the same thing as when um, James died on Good Times and she dropped the meatloaf and she screamed, damn, 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 damn. <laughs> and it, I, I, I think I don't th- I don't think I've ever cried as hard in my entire life as yeah. when Florida yeah. drops the meatloaf. And you see that gif all the time. Damn, 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 damn. And you know, on Maude, they she got an abortion late in life because she don't have a baby. Like there were, there were these. Uh, the first time I heard about abortion, I heard it talked about intelligently, was because of an episode of Maude. And it just seems like it was this magical time when Norman w- successfully entertained and moved the national mm-hmm. conversation forward. And um, and what it did for the African American community when you had the Jeffersons and there were an ups. Gale, you know, couple who moved on up to the Upper yeah. East Side, and you had uh, then you had Good Times and Sanford and Son, which showed you know reality for many people. So um, Norman Lear, uh, rest, rest in perfection, Norman yeah. Lear, hundred one, amazing. Yeah. Number three, James. Number three, uh, another rest in peace. Um, I wanted to just very quickly mention is sweet, sweet Sophie Anderson, mm-hmm. one half of the cock destroyers, a, a sort of a, a, a sex positive duo of girls who, um, uh, who were hilarious, hilarious, very. hilarious, hilarious. She was over the top in a way that was very Pete Burns, Amanda Lepore with the big, big, big lips and the fillers and the just the comical um, oh, camp of, of her look and her big, 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 enormous breasts. Um, she uh, was in her late 30s. We don't know what happened. We don't know the details of her death. But um, she was a, a great friend to the LGBTQ community. Mm. She showed up at um, the drag con, the UK drag con. I know both of them did. She was just a friend of the drag queen. She was, she took her time. She, she was just a lovely, lovely girl. And it 
it's just very sad that, that we lost her as early as we did. Yeah, I'm always slightly in awe of adult performers and slightly intimidated of them, but but she was always so warm and lovely and welcoming yeah. and funny and just really lovely. Just you just felt it in her embrace, you know. Like she said that she has had sex with eighty thousand people in her life. That was her claim, which you know, I mean. Start to add them up, James. Start to add them up. Yeah, yeah. But she was, she was, she was a very sweet and and funny, yeah. funny girl. It was shocking to hear, and uh, and and it's again, you realize she she was in this very room. We had them in the uh, conference room here at World of Wonder, and and just made a lovely connection wherever she went. So rest in perfection, Sophie Anderson, cock destroyer. Um, just love saying that. Um, all right, number two, number two. Okay, so word of the year is Riz. And James St. James alerted me about Riz a couple of weeks ago. Um, And I think James gave me Riz. (laughs) (laughs) Just covered in Riz. So, but I'm not here to talk about Riz, um, which, by the way, is basically short for charisma, right? Right. Right. But it's done with a lot of. uh, when I was in Florida last year, I believe, um, I was talking to my uh, sort of a nephew, a step-nephew, who is 16, I think. And he came out and he was talking about his drip. And none of us had any idea what drip was. It was that moment where you realize how old you are when yes. you have to ask a 16-year-old what drip is, what Riz is. Drip and, and Riz. Just, I think yeah. James gave me the drip once. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm here to ask you, and this really does carbon date me, because in the course of looking into Riz and Drip and what have you, I came across Roman Empire. And I've been seeing Roman Empire. It talks about so and such and such as someone's Roman Empire. And I'm like, what is this? So then I followed a link on the USA Today article. It was published like six months ago, <laughs> explaining that the Roman Empire meme comes from TikTok. A, a viral trend of women asking men how often they think about the Roman Empire. And apparently, straight men, I guess, think about it on a monthly or even weekly or daily basis. Now, daily, daily basis. Someone who's obviously not straight, I haven't thought about the Roman Empire since I left school, you know, and maybe that's why I'm gay. But like, I, I'm like, really? People really think about the Roman Empire? And now it's become a sort of thing, right? Your Roman Empire is yes. the thing you think about. The thing you think about. Like it'd be cats or pizza for me. Right. Okay. I mean, are you both familiar with this? Blake, are you familiar yeah. with this Roman Empire thing? I've just seen that I've just seen it on TikTok before, but I didn't know it was like a big thing. Yes, yes. Well, it Yes, yes. <laughs> Professor, Professor St. James, continue. <laughs> I understand it. I think about the Roman Empire all the time. Quite so, quite so. Frankly, I multiple times a day I find myself you thinking think about their like locker room scandal movie yeah. with like you know Victor Mature in a little toga. I, I find I myself saying, you're wearing a toga right now, so it's not fair. You have a closet full of togas. <laughs> but the, you okay. know, hairy thighs and the Victor Mature. Ha- in fact, hold on. Hold on. Oh no, <laughs> I, said, I spoke too soon. 
I often walk around wearing my laurels. Oh, see? I have a nice, uh, yes, my laurels. You do have laurels. Okay. And um, sort of related is this other thing currently that most men think they could land a commercial plane if they had assistance from the ground. Did you, like a study has come out saying 46% of men think that they could land a plane as long as they were had air traffic control talking. And the only, the only thing, the only place we've ever seen that is in airport with Jacqueline Bissett. Right. Wasn't it somebody like that in one of those movies or, or or, um, Karen Black or Doris Day and Julie, like women. This is is the new toxic masculinity, I guess. I guess yeah. that's what this is. Yes, but I can't get the washing out of the washing machine. I was trying to open the door and I I had to leave it in the washing machine because I can't figure out how to get it out. So, so you don't think that you could if if it was an airport, if it was an airplane mo- situation? I think I think probably not. But I how do joke. you feel? I would change. Even if you had even if you had help from the ground? I think even with help from the ground, yes. Oh god. I would joke. Wait, Blake, you honestly think that you can fly a plane easily? I mean, no, but if I had help from the ground, I would certainly try. How about <laughs> open heart surgery? Oh, yeah, I can do if you that. Had an, if you had an earpiece, could you get through it? Yeah. <laughs> James, do you think you could land the plane? No, I think I would grab the parachute and jump out. I mean, leave everyone to die. Leave everyone to crash. I'll be right know. back. Close. Jump. Like, it's all very well to say you'd try, but like, you know, if at first you don't succeed, skydiving is not for you. <laughs> oh, I always hard fuck the world and smoke while we're weed. What? <laughs> first if you don't, first you don't succeed, fuck the world and smoke more weed. Oh, that's um, funny. He is from Arkansas, everyone. Let's remember that. Let's take one more break. I'm sorry we don't have a question from Blake, but uh, when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to Wow Report. Benton here with James and Tom and Blake. We've been counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. So we've reached number one. I just, number one. I wanted to do a, a very quick um, number one in which we sort of bow down to the great Bowen Yang. He uh, did a cold open this week on Saturday Live that was just one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. He was George Santos and he was giving his farewell speech on the steps of, of the Capitol. And then the set opens up and he goes to the piano and starts playing uh scandal in the wind it's like two candle in the wind and it is he it the words are so funny if you get a chance just watch it he is really stepped stepped up and he's he's the big powerhouse of saturday night live right now and i wonder how long they're going to be able to keep him we we first noticed him when he did the titanic iceberg and that was the tip of his talent, so to speak, where we started realizing how how brilliant he is, and he was so good in um, Fire Island last was it last year or this summer? I think it was last year. Yeah, it might have, yeah. And so he he can hold us hold our attentions on the big screen. I have a feeling he's got a huge career ahead of him. But like I said, this week, if you get a chance to watch his George Santos, it he is really sounded like George Santos, and then sang like Elton John. I mean, it was like. 
it was incredible. <laughs> when he was like, I am, you know, general, major general, qu- pr- prince of the realm, princess of Genovia, or whatever, you know, queen of the realm, princess of Genovia. It's just so funny. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, he's the best. That's all we got. Thanks for tuning into the Wow Report on Radio Andy Sirius XM. Previous episodes are on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents. I'm thinking about the Roman Empire. (laughs) And James is still counting. What number are you on? Like 61,933. Okay. The number of people you've slept with. (laughs) (laughs) Or... Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow.